why why is our nose um why is your nose not 12 inches long in mine yeah i have no clue because then it'd be a foot really terse <laughs> how long were you waiting to do that yeah oh like two hours y'all ready for this show or what Woo! let's go okay let's go Hello, everyone out there in podcast world. I hope you're having a wonderful day. You're listening to or watching the Service Business Mastery Podcast. I'm your host, Tersh Blissett, sitting alongside my co-host, uh, Joshua Crouch. And uh, we have Tina Clements on the show today. And Tina is a kind of a big deal. Um, actually, <laughs> really big deal. Uh, you're talking like BMW Group. Um and then they had a joint venture. They started the uh, the retail performance company, HR, art of facilitation. Like, uh, there's just so much stuff. And then not only that, we just talked about, uh, I, I will tell you the title of what we're going to talk about today, and that's dealing with hecklers in our business. Um, but that I feel like just from our pre-recording conversation that we could go way off in left field with this a little bit. But uh, if that happens, it happens. It's okay. But with that being said, uh, Josh, give your give your little spiel here before we. Hey, good morning, guys. Josh, um, this is my what second week now with you guys, and uh, Tina's brought enough energy to the pre-recording for all of us. So excited to have her on today and, and have her talk about uh, um, some things that I think a lot of a lot of service companies deal with, uh, which is hecklers in your business or people that don't. Uh, don't when you have a new vision or a new idea don't always follow along um so i think you can learn something from her with as far as getting in uh getting in front of those people and making sure that your communication is on point so tell us a little bit about yourself tina and your background and and how you got into doing what you're doing. well first of all that introduction was uh unique and interesting mm -hmm. and i am huge <laughs> at, at, at all five one i'm i'm here no kidding <laughs> awesome so, yeah, always in the people business, even though I've been in the automotive industry for the past 18 years, uh, since since I graduated from college, I've always been in the people industry <clears throat> and started out in radio, went to HBO, went to where I started uh, my career as a facilitator and an instructional mm -hmm. designer and uh, really got into adult learning and fell in love with it, geeked out actually, and then went to Volkswagen and became a instructor for all of the dealers on the East Coast. And I was, I had a road show going, so to speak. And from there, went to um, a boutique firm that did training and coaching and again, content development and then BMW, now supporting a company that's 50% owned by BMW called the Retail Performance Company. And I have the best of all the worlds now because as a partner, I get to support not only BMW, but companies outside of automotive, which again is exciting for me because I have been in automotive for so long. So we get to take all this experiential, awesome oh, leadership yeah. knowledge to organizations like the companies with whom you work outside to support leadership. And again, skills like how to facilitate, how to communicate your message effectively, how to ensure uh, that your message gets across not only that it's heard, but remembered, retained, and applied. 
And uh, as I've, I've told you, you know, what we get to do now is really swim with companies and be, yeah, we're consultants by definition, right? But really, we're, we're doctors in that we find out and really diagnose, okay, what's really going on for your company that's blocking you from success, that's blocking you from ultimate profitability and efficiency and productivity and performance. And then we help with prescriptions again, like training, coaching, et cetera. So that's, that's kind of been my journey, and which has brought me to the two of you today. And, uh, and I could not be more excited because the topic of hecklers, and we don't handle hecklers, we support, we embrace, we, we love them, we, right? And, and how do we get our message across to those who have their fists up figuratively and are kind of telling you to suck it. So with, with, with one of the things that you said there that I really, um, I want to make sure that we, we kind of dive into a little bit, and that is ensuring that our message is retained. Uh, and ha- how is that something, I mean, other than to me, I would say constant repetition. Uh, is there a way for us to do that? Without repeating, because if you if you ask anybody on my team, um, repeating things over and over again is kind of my pet peeve. Like I just I, I don't like repeating myself, and I don't like being repeated too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so whenever I'm coaching an individual, if they are the type that needs to be repeated to a lot, I struggle with that relationship. Right. Um, and is is that the only way that we can get that to retain that that retention of information, or uh, do you have other tips on that? That is a fabulous question. And unfortunately, you reminded me of my behavior with my 11-year-old, <laughs> for whom, as a parent, I throw out my entire 30 years so, of experience. That's why we do it. Yeah. And that's I normal. repeat, and then she interrupts me, and I say it again. And have you ever come out of your body and looked down and said, what are you, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're, you're insane. You're repeating this ridiculous behavior. It's a great question because we, number one, believe that because we are communicating our message, which is so precious and important to us, everyone else will care. So rule number one is to remember, they don't care as much as you. So the, the goal is not to say the words, to get them to remember it. It's to get them to want to engage and to, to, to behave in a way to get a, another human being to want to act, which by the way, is the definition of leadership. You cannot Put a finger in someone's face and say, change. Try doing that to a 14-year-old boy who is sleeping until noon. Get out of bed. They're going to be like, get the hell out of sleep until the... Right? You cannot... This It's called free will. So really, to, to answer your question specifically, it's about adult learning theory. That sounds so... Uh, it's just so official there. Right? Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm, writing that down. I'm writing that down because I got to put that in the show notes. And then, adult adult learning theory. I will speak with there. my horrible British accent. <laughs> Lovely. Adult learning theories goes like this. Thank you. Uh, so, A, it's knowing that they exist. Absolutely. Thank you. We're going to pause this. And, and, and for now on, you can't change. Yeah, that's your voice. I just heard your entire audience click out. <laughs> they just shut down right there. Bye-bye. Peace out. Who is this broad? I'm out. The uh, I could, but then all of the people I know and love from the UK will call me immediately, just with hostile, yeah, and yeah, and say, "Oh, you want me to talk like you, Tina? How are you? Two tree, four bedroom, right?" So rabbit hole. We just went down a rabbit hole. Bring. I'm going to come back out and answer this incredibly delicious, important question, which is, 
how to get people to care about your message. So number one is to know that not everyone learns like you do. So as facilitators by trade, when we go to facilitate a message, we typically do so in the style that works for us. So as an example, I work with an engineer. I love this engineer. He is so smart and wonderful and phenomenal. He is a slow task behavior style. He is the most analytical human being I know. And when he communicates about a new product, he puts on a PowerPoint that everyone needs they need telescopes and microscopes to go up to see the minutiae on the screen and he over talks and he, and I sit there and I, and I'm like, stop T for timeout. You, you lost the whole audience in about 14 seconds. So you're telling me that that's not good. I'm going to go with, please don't do that ever. That's probably where I'm failing now. (laughs) So I'm being, (laughs) I don't see you putting together PowerPoint. As I mean, again, overly dramatic example, but it is the perfect example. This person, we're going to name him, we'll call him George. George learns in excruciating detail that way. So his assumption is that the rest of the world also learns that way and wants to take in information that way when we all learn differently. So when you are communicating your message, you have to take into account all of the unique ways that people learn. And there's one overarching rule. People hear you and take away your message about 2% of the time. There are statistics out there, and I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm estimating right now because I can't remember exactly, but about 2% of what you say is taken away when you're just saying it at them. If you are getting humans to teach it back, they retain about 95%. So if it's critical data and it's a skill set or it's whatever the thing is that you need that person to understand eat it, digest it, own it, and then ultimately apply, it's going to take some time. You can't walk into a room with a bulletin and say, here it is, peace out, gang, good luck putting together that air conditioning system, bye. It's not going to work. So if you, you, you are presenting it in a way and then asking your humans, all right, gang, so now we just spent the morning, I told you about it, I showed you videos on it, we worked through some things, now you're going to break off into groups and teach it to each other. That's how you'll get the message to be owned and reached. As an example, there are, this could be an entire conversation around how to build content in a way that meets all of the learning styles. Um, and that's, again, I'm a geek when it comes to all of this. This is my, one of my absolute favorite topics. Uh, so we can certainly do that. But that is the ideal answer to get people to really own what you're saying and then go and live it and breathe it on your behalf. Yeah, that sounds a lot like um, w- Josh and I are familiar with this uh, a theory called nine pillars, and it's nine pillars of, of um, mental mastermind type mm. thing. Uh, and it's uh, one of the one of those pillars is the the teaching aspect of things, and uh, and it's um, basically it's teach one. Uh, show one, watch one. So you teach teach someone how to do something, and then you you uh, show them how to do it, and then you watch them do it. So they teach it back to you, and then you just repeat that. It's a little, a little circle of 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 uh, constant repeating, and then you get to where you get you master it because you're you're constantly mm-hmm. showing back and showing others how to do it. So brilliant, brilliant. That's the way. At the end of the day, what you just described. 
is providing an environment where people can create their own data. People believe their own data. So if you can create a world where they are creating it for themselves, it's about, it's about cr- again, creating a safe environment where people can share. P- typically, when I'm facilitating in a workshop or what, name it, there are people in the group, even if it's one-on-one, who have the answers, let them shine, let them, let them get involved, let them come up with the answer. Even if they're wrong, you have the opportunity to go, that's, well, that's an interesting perspective. Can I, can I share with you something different? And you can, you, you can, mm-hmm. I hate to use the word fix when it comes to a human being, but you can help, you can help heal that situation respectfully, but let them come up with their own data and then they'll believe it. And that's when they'll, that's the magic part. They will want to take that message and move it forward. That's really yeah. it. So I like that. that, that, that is really good. Good. So I got, Speaking I of the quiet you, one Nina. in the group. Good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm just finding my spot. Um, so a lot of owners and managers that listen to this show are men, and they might have been in the trade for a long time. So there's maybe some uh, uh, different way of doing things from a uh, past experience. What would you say to them as far as getting them to open up and actually uh, communicate with their people, like you're mentioning right now, what would you suggest how they start? Are you saying that stereotypically men, Josh, aren't as open to leaning into? What? Is that what you are? I'm just trying to understand your inference there. Men are not known to be the greatest communicators, myself included. My wife is in the other room and I can hear her. Nodding like a bobblehead? Yes, I can feel her. I'm digging her right now. Absolutely. You can probably feel the energy. So we never want to stereotype, but stereotypes come from somewhere. And uh, we also don't want to be biased towards an entire gender. But I feel you. I've worked in the, my my world. (laughs) uh, I have worked with men mostly for the majority of my career, just by, for the sheer um, industry that I've worked. I've worked in automotive for a really long time. So a lot of times I am the one of few or only women which is changing, thankfully, but that's, that's, so I hear you as well. Yeah, of course. Right. So, and I appreciate the question and uh, it is, I, I feel, this is my opinion that men have been taught. They are not allowed to show emotion uh, actually for a different reason than women have, because when women show emotion, then we become, we're known as shrill, mm-hmm. right. And or air quote emotional. Oh, look, Tina's being emotional right now. However, but as when it, when you are a male showing up in a certain way, then you are confident and strong. And so there's that that wonderful stereotype of both. But but I hear what you're saying, and if I understand the question correctly, the how the how is to have the courage to just do it the first time, and know that you're not going to die, and know and trust that you will not be perceived negatively. Actually. The perception will be that, oh, my God, I look how vulnerable he allowed himself to be. I want to follow that human into battle. And again, the, the, now I coach a lot of C-suite executives mm-hmm. and, and upper management in automotive and, and outside. And the most challenging, and, and I have also left some clients because it's, 
because they, 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 they were unwilling because of fear to lean in to the ability to be vulnerable, which is the ability to say, okay, I don't know the answer. And I'm going to tell my team, hey, I don't, I actually don't know. I'm not really sure on what the next step should be here. What do you think it should be? Or gang, I don't really understand what's happening with the company right now. We're in the middle of the pandemic, but I have, you have my word. I will find out and I will get back to you. Or, I mean, as examples, right? Or maybe in your industry, so, right? Let, so, me, let, let me just uh, get some clarification here. I want to share with you what I'm hearing to make sure that it's uh, clear and uh, not misconstrued in any way. I'm not going to die if I say that. I mean, not, not all the way, right? It will. It sure feels like it. You will feel the, you will have a physical reaction that will make you think you're going to die. <laughs> like my stomach's all in knots right now. Just Hopefully it's not a rash. The, <clears throat> it is, which part? Which part, Tersh, makes you think the, the the vulnerability of saying, I don't know, which part got you yeah, physic- had a physical that reaction? One, that one, definitely. Okay. Tell me why. Tell me why do you think that is? Could be indigestion, but. <laughs> um, <laughs> Excuse, no, it's, my, it's, it's, excuse it's, my feminine it's, laugh. It, it, no, what it is, is um, what it is, is that's going to be great. Uh, <laughs> the perception of a C-suite individual or someone who is a, of authority, they should have all the answers. Everyone comes to you for the problem and or to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. Part of that is the ego there, or we haven't um, empowered employees or team members enough to, because this is one thing. So I, I, I'm sharing back from when I first started my first business. I would, I, and I've shared this story a couple of times on the podcast over the years. It was very common for me to get 100 to 130 phone calls a day. Realistically, in your mind, how can you handle that many phone calls? You can't really. Uh, what I was doing was uh, feeding my ego. And allowing everyone to call me with all the problems whenever they, to me, it was, look, this business won't run without me. Mm-hmm. I'm the hero of the story. And yes, I'm absolutely. And, and, and it's, it's almost a badge of honor within the, within the trades. And as business owners, it's like the system wouldn't work without me. If mm-hmm. I wasn't here to answer all these phone calls, this would just crash and burn. And then uh, someone called me on it and they're like, don't don't tell these people this as if it was a badge of honor it's almost yeah. should be something of shame because you're allowing your ego to hinder the operation and the growth of the business and i was like oh shoot i probably said a lot more explicit words than that but it was like dang like that's crazy and and then <laughs> at the same time i heard somebody else say something on uh it, i think it was a dave uh, entree leadership or something like that dave ramsey podcast and um, it got me to where now, every time someone presents a problem to me, they also must present three solutions. And it got to where, like, whenever I turned it on within the business, I had to hang, I hung up on them. I, I said, oh, company-wide meeting, um, 
<laughs> as soon as you call me, you must call me with three solutions at the same time. And they'd call me and uh, they'd have no solutions at all. Not even looked at the problem. And I just hang up on them. They call me right back. I think we got disconnected. Nope. What's your solutions? Click, <laughs> you know, no. and, and so then they got kind of got the hint and uh, I, it was almost like an overnight. It probably was two weeks, but looking back, it felt like it was just a sure. switch that got turned on, sure. turned off. And uh, my phone calls went from a hundred plus to down to four or five a day, maybe. Um, and now it's, you know, I can go two days without hearing from the team. I mean, we, we communicate via Slack, but uh, it, it, they have to present solutions. So then I know that they've put some effort into problem solving. Yeah. I'm not the hero of the day anymore, but now they're the hero. And whenever they come to me with, Hey, look, this is what I did. I'm I'm not calling, I'm not calling you to solve the problem. I'm just telling you what I did. And it's like, boom, good job. Like great job doing this. You're the hero of the story now, not me. And once that happened, mm-hmm. that's when kind of our, our business kind of skyrocketed and, and kind of took off there. Josh, there's a lot to unpack in that story. Where uh, So now it's the Josh and Tina show. So now we're going to interview <laughs> you. I'm just going to flip this around a little bit. Mike drop. The, the, a couple of things. First of all, really great job. Really, really well done. Uh, number one. Number two, uh, r- r- really hard to be self-aware and put a mirror up to yourself and say, you know what, I'm flawed. And right now my flaw is I'm terrified. I'm terrified to be seen as a failure. I'm terrified to be seen as not having the answer, which in my brain equates to failing when it's not true. We have taught ourselves uh, by just institutional-esque learning, right? That failing is, or not knowing equals failing, not knowing equals subpar, not know, and that is not true. So, and, and, what you did, you created an environment where your children, your employees, and I mean that respectfully when I say children, had to walk on their own. It would be like not letting your child fall when he or she is learning to walk, right? They have to do. So let them fail a little bit and grow. And that's the responsibility of a leader, not to do for, but to create an environment where people can be safe and let them fail, etc. So again, a lot to unpack in that story. The, the biggest piece is the word fear yeah. the, it is, is fear is the instigator for action. We have a thought around something. This is the equation, gents, thought, feeling, action. We all have thoughts and the thoughts, I'm too stupid to launch a company. I feel less than I act like a victim. Thoughts, this is going to be so exciting. I cannot wait to get out there and present to these a thousand people. Mm-hmm. I feel excited. I perform incredibly well. That's the equation. And what you did, you shifted your perspective, which then ha- gave you a new feeling, and then you acted differently. See, I've simplified it's, life. It's, there you go. It's, it's really cool because, well, <laughs> something that, that, that Tina mentioned there that I forgot that I in, introduced at the same time that I, I don't know if it would have been as successful had I not introduced this same concept and, and for anybody that's listened to the show and you're, you're considering doing exactly what I did implement this part. Also don't, don't miss this part of the, the, the problem or the equation here. And whenever you said uh, that allowing someone else to fail, allowing your, your, you know, your child to fall while they're, they're learning to walk um, there's a fear as an employee or a team member that 
if I install the wrong motor, um, I'm going to get fired. If I, if I burn something up, I'm going to get fired. And Mm -hmm. so I want to call and and just double check, quote unquote, air quotes, double check, uh, where something that we implemented was you get, you have a $500 a day mistake Mm -hmm. every day. You can make a $500 mistake and mm. you'll never get reprimanded I like that. as long as you own up to it. Now, if you, you hide it or something like that, then you're going to get in trouble. But if you own up to it, you have a $500 a day. No, no questions asked. Mm-hmm. And the first couple of times something happened, people were like, Ooh, is he really serious? You have to be serious about it. Yes. Like I had a guy step <laughs> to a sheetrock and the other guy that was with him was like, Oh, you're getting fired. And then they're like, oh, I'm just kidding. As long as it don't cost more than $500. And mm-hmm. <laughs> so then, then the other guy was like, well, I know, <laughs> I know he just said that, but I, where I was before, and this was like his second day at work too. He was like, where I was before, they'd fired me instantly. And uh, no matter what they said, and he was like, nah, as long as it don't cost more than $500. And if it does cost more than $500, you're just going to have a conversation. And then it's like, okay, wow, I, I'm, I'm okay with, with, taking a chance and obviously you don't want to like risk safety and stuff like that with your chances. But that's but not what you're saying. That's exactly. not what I'm hearing you saying at all. Exactly. Again, Josh, so much to unpack in that story. I know. You Church, are, is, you, Church is a great host. I don't know <laughs> that you guest, need us, say, quite host. frankly, you can just, <laughs> yeah, just no, go no, and no. do your own, have your own rabbit hole show. The, so, so I've, I have been in the service business my entire career, because when, as I'm educating, uh, we teach how to sell, how to, you know, from a, from a service perspective, uh, how to not just have a support your customer, but how to create a loyal customer base. This is sales 101, how to really increase profitability and your margins and all the things is to create loyal customers. And what you've actually done, have you, are you, either of you can, um, familiar with uh, the concept of eating the marshmallow? or the book, Don't Eat the Marshmallow Yet. Uh-uh. All right. So for all of you out there, Don't Eat the Marshmallow Yet so. is a book written by Joaquin de Posada. And Say that I, three times real fast. And then uh, I couldn't spell it. Joaquin de Posada. De Posada, I think. But it's Don't Eat the Marshmallow Yet. And what you just described, first of all, you, gave, you created an, an environment of safety, which means you have created in your business people who want to work for you. How great is that? They will promote your business. They will talk about how great it is to work there because of the trust of the leadership. You've also promoted a culture of failure. And if you do any research, a company that allows failure is a company of growth, a company of success, because through failing comes learning. That is the number one best way to learn. By the way, a little plug for myself. My next book is called Fantastic Facilitation Fails. And it's a compilation of all my incredible facilitator warriors failing and sharing their message. So you don't have to make the same mistake. So sharing their lesson. But through failure, which is what you have created in your company, Tersh, people get to learn and then they won't do it again. Everyone's going to make the mistakes in the beginning and put in the wrong motor and do this. And do, of course, we all do it. I made a mistake this morning. We do. Hopefully Just they don't continue, do it again. Right? I wasn't. Yeah, you don't need to know about that one, though. But <laughs> the point is, all errors. Are, and there's no such thing as a mistake, only a discovery. So back to this, this book. What we do as a culture is this, it's this thing called instant gratification. And we don't mm-hmm. believe we can let people fail because you have to, right? If somebody leaves your team, we have to hire somebody really fast. Because 
So in the book, um, approximately, I'm going to say 50 years ago, I don't remember, they did, there was an experiment conducted in a Latin country, and I can't remember exactly where, uh, of about 600 five, six, and seven-year-old children where a person would walk into a room and say, okay, little Sally, I'm going to give you this marshmallow. Now, this is for you. I'm going to leave it here. You can eat it if you want to, but if you don't eat it, I'm going to come back in 15 minutes. And if you haven't, I'm going to give you a second marshmallow. And then the person leaves. They videotape this, Google it, watch the videos, hilarious. And the experience. This is a trend that was going on Facebook or TikTok or something. It's like been a replicated. Years ago. Yeah, it's, it was like candy. Put, put candy in front of your kid and walk away and see and tell them not to touch it and see what they do. See, exactly. So what they did was they, they, they uh, of the children, I think it was about 500 ate the marshmallow some within as the person was leaving the room, you know, was shoving it right. in there and something like, <laughs> and like 15%, like it, it, the statistic varies, but obviously lower did not eat the marshmallow. But then they went in about 21 ish, 25 years later, they found about 150 of these children of the kids who did not eat the marshmallow. They were successful. Some wildly successful. Wow. Of the children who did eat the marshmallow, some were dead, some couple were in prison, and some were successful, but not at the level of the others. So the study is about instant gratification. The good news here, though, is that it can be learned. And I can tell you, I am one of those people. I didn't know about this study until about 10 years ago or so. And I realized that I had trained myself by accident, thank God, because I was an absolute I'm a grasshopper. You ever heard the story of the grasshopper and the ant, that old fable? And the ants do all the work. To do, um, what am I, like an Aesop fable today? I'm telling all these <laughs> metaphorical stories. So the, the, the ant saves, but the grasshopper just plays the flute all summer. And then the winter comes and he dies because he's freezing. Mm-hmm. Right? Same thing. That was me. But through just accidental training, I've learned that the, this art of delaying gratification, which is a part of what you were talking about, Tersh, really does help the success of an organization. And you're doing that through leadership. And I'm going to stop talking now because that's a lot. That was a lot of data with animals and stories and lots. Of- well, I know what I'm doing with my Marshmallow- kids. This summer. <laughs> I want to see who's going to be successful. So my kids, uh, my my kids are out of class. Oh, they're out of school right now. And as soon as we get off of this, we're going to start. Testing it out, but I don't have any marshmallows, but I have some M and M's. I think. Yes, just record it. (laughs) M and M's would work. (laughs) It's going to be recorded. I'm putting it on Facebook and LinkedIn. Oh, that's great. It is. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Miss Tina, yes. uh, Where can people pick up your book and learn more about you and get connected with um, RPC and and everything of that nature? We, the book uh, on Amazon, The Art of Facilitation, and the new book I think is launching in September. I'm so stoked about that. And the, if you go to rpcamerica.com, then you can learn about all things RPC. And I would absolutely love to hear from any of your listeners. That would be fantastic. Cool. Josh, do you have any closing questions? Anything I missed? Yeah, I just wanted to, to ask one more time. What's the name of the book Fantastic coming out? Fantastic Facilitation Fails. You fails. got it. Yeah. Right? Facilitation. I have uh, two stories of my own 
my uh, my publisher said to me, you cannot tell all your stories because then that's your own book of all of your failures. Um, one of them includes ripping my pants, though. So, you know, there's, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think we've all Yeah, that there. was a good day for me. That was a right up, right. There was no, mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not even going to go there. I'm, yeah, not, I'm not even touching that. That'll that's be the next crazy. show. I'm pleased yeah, please, I'd love to come back and then we can um, talk about my spiral of emotion during that particular moment. That was all good things. <laughs> Josh, did you have fun with this double Dutch-esque uh, jump rope where you were just trying to pick your moment to get in to, to the two of us? Who, <laughs> I did. I literally was sitting there like a kid. I'm like, okay, it's not, not me, not me. Okay, go. It's awesome. You livened it up. That's my game. I appreciate that. Definitely. definitely As do the two of you. This was, uh, this was pretty spectacular. And, uh, and I love learning about your business too. And again, I ha I'm going through this personally right now in my own home. So yes, learning. And what I find interesting to, and I'll, I'll leave you on this is how, Service business is the service business is the service business. We can be talking about AC units or we can be talking about cars or we can be talking about doing somebody's nails. Service is service. Very and how you should right? And it's the choices in there. Are, yeah, it's all Absolutely. it's all how you show up. It's all the decisions you make here, your mentality and your attitude. So Absolutely. very interesting. Thank you so much, Tina, for coming on the show today. Thank and you, Jens. This was great. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, thank you. And, and also, I, I want to make sure that everyone understands and this show wouldn't be possible without uh, Relentless Digital and Service Emperor really just taking time and allowing Josh and I to step away for the day and, and record these shows. Uh, but with that being said, uh, I hope you have a wonderful and fabulous day and stay safe out there. Uh, until next time, thank you again for watching or listening to the Service Business Mastery Podcast. It is a podcast focused on service business owners, managers, and technicians who are considering starting their own business. Uh, the goal with this podcast is to help answer some unasked questions, and I hope that that's what we did today. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out to myself, to Tina, uh, to Josh. Uh, I'll, we have all of our contact information in the show notes. Uh, with that being said, hope you have a wonderful day.